Jeez, there we go. There again. we go. Welcome back, Husker fans, to another episode of Generation Red, the Kettle Corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. One of these days, I'm going to get this right. I am your host, Ken. And I am your other host, Scott. <laughs> and we are here to cover, well, unfortunately, what was not a win in Boulder, Colorado, but instead a massive what the F basically is what it was, especially where number seven was concerned. We'll go through the numbers, figure out what happened, even though we already know we all saw it. And then we will turn our attention to the NIU Huskies. If you recall and are feeling any PTSD or if your butts are clenching right now, there's a reason. And that reason is that in 2017, Sean Eichhorst was shown the door after NIU came into Lincoln and beat the Huskers. Uh, so off the backs of, if I remember right, two pick sixes thrown by the current or the, uh, past quarterback, Mr. Tanner Lee. Hopefully that's not the fate in store for Jeff Sims, but we'll find out. Uh, anyway, so once we get all that, we'll hopefully be done and then you guys can move on with your evening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before we get to the game, we had a little bit of fun on Thursday, Scott, although some of that fun was, uh, canceled due to darkness. We went golfing. Um, and yes. for the first time since I've taken the sport back up, I thought I played well off the tee, hit three out of five drives in the fairway, which made me extremely happy. And, um, then of course we had to cut it short cause it got really, really dark. And even if we didn't have to go hunting for my pitching wedge, we might've been able to play one more hole by the time uh, we realized my pitching wedge was gone. So, um, yeah, we only played seven holes. Yep, made it through seven. Playing I got a birdie. Hole. You got a birdie? Yep, and you parred the very next hole, so you were having some momentum, and then Mr. Pitching Wedge over here decided your momentum was over. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. We wanted to finish the game anyway, so. Yeah, it was a good time. It was it was really a lot of fun. Um, and then I had a last course. Oh, it's beautiful. I love, I love Pioneers. Just a little bit of water to deal with, some out-of-bounds here and there, but there's no sand traps, which is just a lovely thing all the way around. Mm. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a short game lesson on Friday at the Hillcrest country club where Mike was fantastic. Taught me some stuff about hitting around the green that I would have never thought of, uh, which was really enjoyable. Some of it I struggle with, but really close around the green, I seemed to figure some things out. So that was really cool. Next, we're going to talk about hitting out of the sand and getting a little bit more refined with putting. So I'm really excited about that. And I start to work at the Hillcrest Country Club tomorrow morning at 7. So that's going to be fun. Anything exciting go on for you over the last few days since the last time we were here? Um, Not really at all. I'm on call right now. And so I've just been kind of nesting at home, playing games on my computer like a little hermit. I'm just like a little hermit up here. And my wife's just wandering around wondering where mm -hmm. i'm at all the time i'm well no she knows where i'm at but um yeah yeah so i haven't really done anything all that exciting other than uh i wish it would have been a good game to watch but right. I, I it ruined right. the whole day for me so i did not i didn't watch any football yeah, after the game and i just kind of Kind of just tuned it all out for for a day, so. Yeah. Well, and then today, you heard that Mel Tucker was 
fired, suspended. I keep reading conflicting reports. I know. Something about sexual harassment against somebody, some lady that goes to campuses and speaks about sexual assault. Let me talk about not being able to read the room. That was probably not the smartest thing a guy could have done. It's not cool allegations. The allegations are just really not very cool. I read them and it's pretty yicky. So, um, and then Texas beats Alabama. And we were talking about this before we went live and I made it, made the mention that it's the weirdest feeling in the world to know that Alabama lost and to feel great about the fact that Alabama lost, but just hating the fact that Texas won. So I'm kind of come to the conclusion that I think I would have rather had Alabama win because it would have hurt less having them win and felt much better to have Texas lose. But I don't know, maybe that's some 2009 PTSD from that Big 12 championship <laughs> game or the fact that it's freaking Texas and they're a bunch of arrogant jerks. So, um, but yeah, you said you didn't watch much football. That game was actually a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the, the, the more it got out of hand, uh, the more enjoyable it was to see Nick on the sidelines just looking like he really didn't have much of an answer. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, nobody wants to hear us sit here, talk about coaches who've been suspended. Nobody wants us to talk about Texas being Alabama and you probably don't want us to talk about nineties Husker football either. So I guess we should talk about the Huskers loss in Colorado. So let's move on. Um, Before we hop into the slides, I'll just say this, um, Shadur Sanders after the game. Talk about the example of a person who has no clue as to how to win graciously. Um, I'm not exactly, and his dad's not much better for Mr. High and Mighty Jesus Loves You live on camera at a post-game interview um, talking about how rules said stuff. I've gone back through all the public stuff that rule has said leading up to the season and Maybe there was an offhanded comment on boys busting with the boys that could be construed as talking crap. I don't know. All I know is that if you've got to invent stuff to get pissed off, to be able to try to beat somebody in a football game and not just because they're wearing a different uniform, you've got issues. I mean, one of the things that made Michael Jordan great was he was good at that. He'd invent stuff in his head and he'd go off on somebody. But when it's kids and when you've got a quarterback running up to Husker players and flashing his watch in their faces and then afterwards saying it's very personal because they said stuff about my pops and this, that, and the other, and I got no respect and this, that, and the Great. Fine. Um, but that's slanderous in my mind. It's just not cool. It's not sportsmanlike in any way, shape, or form. You won. Take the W. And then go beat Colorado State next week and then head up to Eugene, Oregon, where you're probably going to run straight into the face of reality. Um, mm-hmm. Those guys ain't playing up there. They're playing good, hard, tough football. So um, anyway, that's my thoughts on before we actually get to the game. I don't know if you saw his comments, read his comments, heard his comments, but they really set me on edge. Yeah, no, my I'm glad you brought that up because my whole thought on this Colorado X Deion Sanders combination is that it's it's seriously like a match made in heaven. It's like the most insufferable fans <laughs> with the most insufferable football team now. 
Because at least like it and was the like when there was Mel Tucker coach or not. Oh my god. When yeah, there was sorry. when there was Mel Tucker, it was Mel Tucker there, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So when it was Mel Tucker there, it was like you didn't really hate the team. You just hated the fans. The fans mm-hmm. really sucked. And now it's like, well, now there's nothing redeemable about Colorado. They just have like a really piss poor attitude mm-hmm. team and a really, really inflammatory and downright disrespectful yeah. fan base. It's just like, huh, you know, as as much as it as as it pained me to see us lose, uh, it does make me feel a little better that we at least have one more go at it next year. Um, because I just, I just really want one more opportunity to finally like be able to be able to go for the foreseeable future with a win under our belt against Colorado Mm -hmm. that we haven't seen in now three years or it's been three years in a row. We've lost Colorado since we started this, this, uh, home and home (laughs) with them. Yep. So, yeah, Neon is just like, he's he's too yep. much sometimes. He's, he's, he's a work. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that, and it sounds like his boy is kind of chipped right off the old block. Here's, you know what? I hope they stick around. I hope Dion wants to stick around Colorado next year, too, so he can come to Lincoln and think he's going to chirp and do his stuff. And Well, doesn't Colorado go back to the Big 12, too? Yeah, they're going back to the Big 12, too. So, um, yeah, I hope he sticks around. I hope his son sticks around, doesn't go early to the NFL, though he'd be eligible, if I understand right, after this year. I hope his son sticks around so that he gets another eight-sack or more treatment from our defense again next year, which I think that defense is going to be scary good in 2024 with all those young kids that are getting a lot of experience right now. So let's move into the numbers a little bit. Yeah. See here. Of course it didn't. Ooh, I forgot to uh, actually add it. See? I, you know, three years of doing this, I'm going to figure it out eventually. Um, first downs were 23 to 15 in favor of Colorado, obviously. They were nine of 18, so they were just slightly better on third down than, than Minnesota was the previous week. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with the second half. We were tuckered out. We had, <laughs> there's a nice Mel Tucker reference. We were tired. Um, Fourth down, third down, four of 13 for Nebraska, which is just abysmal. 0 for 2 on fourth down. They were 0 for 1, so at least we bowed up on their one fourth down try, but they did knock out 454 yards of offense. We came up with 341, so it wasn't a horrible performance, um, and it was pretty good on the ground, 222 to their 58, which if anybody has seen this yet, it's kind of roaming around Twitter right now that Nebraska's got the number one rushing defense in the country right now, but we haven't played anybody yet that can run the dang football. I mean, I was surprised we stopped Minnesota as best as we did, and I don't know what their rushing numbers were from yesterday. I should have looked, uh, but hey, even Wisconsin lost yesterday because they couldn't run the ball very well on on Washington State. So um, there you go. Um, 29-41 was our time of possession, so they didn't wear us out with the time off the clock. They wore us out with plays. They had a lot of plays. So, But they were 9 for 80 yards in penalties, whereas we were 6 for 40. We had four turnovers. They had one. That's the difference in the game. I mean, yeah, it's a 22-point differential on the scoreboard, but you take those four turnovers off the board and the 
what that what was that responsible for? I think it was what a field goal and three touchdowns. That takes twenty four points off the board, and you're a you know fourteen to twelve winner at that point. So, um, anyway, what you think? So, looking at those stats, I mean, it's not so, exactly reflective of the game because it was pretty much dominated by Colorado from that five minute mark in the second quarter on. There was a a stat line going into halftime that I see here. The 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 dis, the disparity between the two is that in the first half going or going into halftime we were both basically tied up at like 150 yards a pop, mm-hmm. and so that means that Colorado outgained us in the yards category, total yards across their offense by 200 yards mm-hmm. in the second half. So they had 300 yards in the second half, and we had 100 yards in the second yep. half. And that is just unacceptable. And I, I'm not entirely sure if it was necessarily that we just got gassed. We could have. We were up in we were up in high altitude. We're in Boulder, et cetera, et cetera. Or I just feel like they just looked like they gave up. Or maybe it was a combination of both. I don't know. But what I do know is that a lot of those stats are are kind of I don't know they they just they just they don't tell the whole story if you just look at the stats but mm-hmm. you do make a very very good point of like all you have to do is look at the turnover stat and it 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 can kind of fill in those blanks of like mm-hmm. all the other stats when you look at the stats it's like oh yeah clearly Colorado won but it's like but you don't realize what kind of a game it was up until a certain point um mm-hmm. So you look at the four turnovers. I think that Nebraska sees the end zone quite a few times in the first half if we do not have those stupid fumbles and turnovers. Um, so those stats just are they're so frustrating to look at because because I know what the story is behind those stats, and it's just like couldn't get out of our own way. Yeah, you could. I I couldn't have said it better than myself for sure. So let's take a look at some of the players uh, <laughs> and the forgettable stats that they, in many ways, had. Um, how we came up with 341 yards after it just seemed like we couldn't get out of our own way, other than the fact that, the, if I remember right, the first half Nebraska had almost a five minute advantage of. Uh, Possession time, maybe six. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really close. I mean, we held them to less than 60 yards, I think, in the first quarter. It was domination on the lines of scrimmage where we were still moving the ball. We just didn't convert early in that. I think that field goal early would have made a big difference that uh, Alvano mm-hmm. just barely doinked off. Six more inches to the inside of that a goal post and it's in. You know, So it, it truly yep. is, again, a game of inches, right? So um, next slide, we've got... Shador Sanders, uh, 31 of 42 for 393 yards, two touchdowns. Jeff Sims was 9 of 15, uh, which I guess isn't awful. Unfortunately, he completed one of those nine to the other guy. <laughs> Dropped yeah. two on the ground, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, Harburg was the quarterback that actually threw the touchdown to Fedoni. Fedoni did have two catches, so that was good. Good on Fedoni. Um it's just, oh, God, I just look at these stats and it's like, 
Why didn't we feed Irvin more? He was getting lathered up. He had good 45 yards in the first first half, you know, 50 yards, something like that. And then they shut him down in the second. I don't know if it's because he dropped that one on the carpet or what the story was, but uh, there's your kind of your guys on offense for both sides. Uh, Dylan Edwards was was decent running the ball, but that Xavier Weaver, the dude was money. Every time it seemed like somebody was open, it was him, and yep. he was making us pay when we when we would blitz. It seemed like he was the go to man when we would blitz. So mm-hmm. he found ways to get open all mm-hmm. the time. And yet we still still knocked Sanders down eight times. I'm hoping he's pretty bruised up today. That would be kind of nice. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Anyway, looking at that, is there anything? I mean, we'll get to our players of the game. So, and they're basically all listed on this screen here. Uh, but any any particular stat that might not be your player of the game that really kind of grabs your attention, that maybe if one guy got less yardage for them or one guy got more yardage for us, who would it be that would maybe turn the tide in this game a little bit more? I mean, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. I think that with the stats being as they are aside from Jeff Sims, the obvious answer is, well, Jeff Sims, his productivity. Mm -hmm. That's who I'd pick. Um, Mm -hmm. Get those yards up by like 200 to 300 yards of productivity. Um, So Mm -hmm. that would be my obvious choice. Um, But looking at their offense, their offense looks competent. I mean, they're, I was, I was hoping, I was hoping we would get a pick yesterday that's what i was hoping for i was like dang i feel like momentum would shift really like quite a bit if we were to get a pick off of this kid and Mm -hmm. never found it and so he threw a perfect as far as i'm concerned he threw a really really good game Mm -hmm. um he had a yeah he still had a really solid wide receiving core i mean they were just a well-rounded a well-rounded uh offense you know they had almost 100 yards total rushing Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, what what more do you want from them? They didn't have to rush on us. That was the thing. They didn't really need to. You look at that stat for Shadur Sanders, and this is kind of thirty-one of forty-two. That means nine times he did not complete a pass, and eight of those nine was because he was put in the turf by our defense. So how efficient was he when he wasn't being rushed or sacked? Or even when he was being rushed and he didn't get sacked, he still completed balls. You know, so the guy's just, he's amazing. I, I, I am, hats off to you, Shadur. You're a great quarterback, uh, questionable human being, but that's, that's just me. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say something much more derogatory, but I'm not going to go there. Um, so, but you know, hey, you know what? If, if rule said stuff, what what was it that Dion's so famous for saying? Hey, I've kept the receipts. I know what y'all are all about. I've kept the receipts. Well, where's the receipts on rule? Show me what it was that was so awful that you had to motivate yourselves by hating Nebraska because he made some sort of off color crazy. I I don't know. It's just it's insane. It just seems like it seems like one of those. I could get petty, but you know I like mm-hmm. to indulge in those things every once in a while. But it's kind of like well. He was just saying in general, and if the shoe fits and you're really upset about it, it's like, that's more of a you problem than it is a rule mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not for rule yeah. to be upset about. He's like, yeah, you know, people just hitting up the portal left and right, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Sure. Um, 
but all he's doing is just like you said, all he's doing is just highlighting philosophy differences. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't believe in that. He believes he, he, if he needs to go to the portal, he will, but he's not just going to go in there willy nilly and just grabbing guys left and right and dropping his scholarship players that he doesn't like. Like it's not, it's not going to work like that Mm. in Nebraska. So not going to work like that, but I I am pretty certain there's a good portion of the fan base, at least on Husker Twitter, that wishes Nebraska would have worked like that. And I think that's sad. Yeah. We have well, gotten to a point where the fan base is so hungry for winning, they don't really care if the entirety of the state of Nebraska is ignored on the recruiting front just to buy some wins. You know, it, it's, it's like this isn't the NFL. As much no. as we like to think it needs to be like the NFL, it's not. So, um, Defensive statistics are interesting in the sense that neither team really had anybody in there that made a lot of tackles. Everybody was single digits. Um, And as you can see, there was up to uh, 19 Colorado players that registered a tackle. And if I counted right, I think they had a total of 24 guys that played on defense that day. Mm -hmm. So they dipped pretty deep in there, but a lot of those guys were probably later in the fourth quarter when they had their second and third stringers in there. Um, 23 Nebraska players registered a tackle, including eight total sacks. And uh, it was just, it was a great effort by the defense for the first part of the game. And then once things got out of hand, I think they, they did increase their um, time of possession on the Colorado side in the second half. And the guys, you know, kept seeing the ball on the ground and kept seeing mistakes and kept seeing this, that, and the other. It's hard. You're human. And a lot of these defenders haven't had to deal with this side of what Nebraska football has been. Because a lot of those kids out there playing, they don't remember all those close losses. And now they're involved in, in two where they were basically playing good enough to beat the other team. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, Six, eight sacks, eight sacks. You'd think a team. How do you do that? Act your the other team eight times isn't losing by twenty two points. Mm-hmm. Well, four fumbles or three fumbles in an INT. So, um, players of the game beyond frustrating. Yeah, yeah, just frustrating. Absolutely. I mean, let's just get to the players of the game so we can turn the page on this thing and move on, right? I mean, why lament anything any more than we need to? Mm-hmm. Um. We were, folks, I know we're, there's one less person on here than what was advertised for this show. Dave from Husk Guys said that he wasn't able to be on tonight um, due to, <laughs> as he put it, being in a bad headspace at this particular moment in time, and he did not want to be completely despondent on a podcast, and I completely understand his sentiment. So he's rescheduled for the show after the Louisiana Tech game in, in two weeks, so hopefully that'll be a better result. And we'll be able to have a fun little discussion with Dave from uh, Husk Guys. He's one of the cool dudes out there, one of the good follows out there on Twitter at Husk Guys, if you haven't followed them yet. Um, special teams wasn't too bad, although Bushini struggled a little bit and said averaging 47 or 48 like last week. He averaged 35 on his punts, but he did have a longer yeah. 46. We were two for two on our extra points, but we did miss a field goal, whereas they were three for three on their field goals and of course three for three on extra points. So um punting, their punter was good. Average 38, um, long of 43. Good lord, I would have figured Brian Buscini would have averaged like 74 yards a kick because of that altitude, but nope. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it wasn't to be. Um and not much in the return part. 
you know, Billy the Kemp didn't do anything. Um, and obviously Ramirez had the one return for 23 yards. And I think the rest of the kickoffs went through the end zone. So, mm-hmm. um, but that puts the wraps on the stats. Uh, players of the game for me, I had Shadur Sanders on offense for um, Colorado. Jeff Sims for Nebraska because that one big run he made, and uh, he did generate almost 200 yards of offense. Uh, Omarion Cooper with six tackles, five of them solo on defense for Colorado for me, and then Nick Henrik and his return after being injured for the first game with three tackles, three of them being solo, and two of those being sacks slash tackles for loss. So those are my players of the game, and yours are also there. Yes. So on Colorado's offense, I've got Xavier Weaver. Um, Shadur Sanders is obviously a very good pick. Um, would have been mine, but I think second, close second to him was that weapon in Xavier Weaver. He was the mm-hmm. guy that he knew he was going to find um, when he most needed him. Um, <clears throat> so him being the guy gives him, you know, player of the game in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, on Nebraska's offense, I'd say Gabe Irvin. Um, he had he he had a run of like twenty four yards, and that was pretty cool. I actually missed it. I I saw I was in the bathroom or something. I was like, I have to pee, <laughs> and came yeah. back out, and that was happening. And I'm like, oh my god, of course. Um, yeah, it, he was basically the only stat line that you could look at on our offense that was worth a dang. I mean, so I mm-hmm. I picked him. And then on the defensive side of things, I had to pick, uh, well, where did our thing go? Oh, there we are. There you go. I'm sorry. I pulled that. Yeah, you're good. You were messing with stuff. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So on Nebraska's uh, defense, I've got Cameron Leonard as the defensive player of the game. As a freshman, he came in replacing Ty Robinson for the first half. And... He played really well. And my and my take is that it looked better with him in. Of course, it was a tale of two halves, so maybe that played a part of it. But I, mm. I really think that you if you would have left uh Cameron Lenhardt in there, I think I think things would have been fine. But you know, he'll t- his time will come. So he's um, true freshman. Uh he's only gonna get better from here and exactly valuable experience. In the next two weeks, too, heading into Big Ten, and we're going to need him. We're going to yep. need him. We're going to get dinged up. So, and he's 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 disruptive. I love watching him play. Absolutely disruptive. Um, Colorado's defensive player, I think, is just Travis Hunter. I know that I'm just continuing to sing the praises of all things sports media, but they're not wrong. Um, Travis good. Hunter is an absolute player of 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 the game. So, um. Yeah, I, I give Travis Hunter my defensive player of the game for Colorado, and that wraps up our players of the game. And doggone it, I am so happy to say that that wraps up our recap of Colorado. It's time to move back into the future, ladies and gentlemen. See, I've got to get back to my brand now so I can change. Ah, we've officially turned the page. Game three preview, Northern Illinois. And as I said in the open, if your butt's clenching a little bit, it's okay. This is not the same NIU team that came into Lincoln in 2017 because this NIU team lost to Southern Illinois, which is an FCS school. Um, so 
Well, shoot, I should have mentioned this a minute ago before we actually moved on, but coming into Northern Illinois, this is actually perfect. Nebraska football ranks last nationally in turnover margin, fumbles and fumble lost, but they lead the nation in sacks. They have 11 total sacks for 77 yards, whereas Tennessee also has 11 sacks, but theirs are only for 70 yards in lost yardage for the other teams, so we lead the nation based on yardage. So that's a positive, and I think it's only going to continue. Uh, I'd say the next two games, Nebraska should be able to rack up some sackage. That's for sure. Um, so there you go. There's the numbers from NIU's 14-11 to 11 loss to Southern Illinois, the Salukis, if I remember correctly. Um, but they beat them in every statistical category except dun, 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 turnovers. Three of them, all of them interceptions. So. Um, there you wow. go. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have beat a team more soundly in the statistical categories than they did, uh, other than rushing. You know, rushing was the only slight advantage to Southern Illinois. So, um, any thoughts on looking at those numbers other than the fact that, oh, God, it's going to be a battle of crap offenses come Saturday? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what stands out to me. Um, I mean, Northern Illinois was projected to win this by like how much? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Let's see what they were favored in. I am curious. Oh my gosh. I'm getting used to this new this new layout for old ESPN. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, Northern Illinois was favored. Okay, so they weren't favored by that much. They were favored by six and a half points. Um, it looks like an ugly game. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no way to put it. You know, they, their penalties are pretty bad. Uh, right. Three interceptions from Rocky Lombardi. I mean, it just looks like a bad game. So I think we're going to be... I, I think that it's going to be electric in Lincoln. Not as electric as it would have been if we would have at least won one of those two games. Yeah, exactly. But, it's going to be electric. It's going to be a night game. We're going to get the sunset and everything going into the second half. And then we should get the light show and the, you know, thunderstruck and all that fun jazz. But mm -hmm. I think the whole time we're going to be sitting there looking at a pile of shit, get into a, a dog fight with a pile of garbage. Yeah. It's just going to be. And, but then on, yeah, on the, on the flip side, we're going to be looking at our defense and they're just, I mean, if if our defense continues the trend that it is continuing in, I don't mm -hmm. want to say it's as good as our 2009 defense because no. it's not, but it does remind me of the or the uh, the concept of the 2009 season that it was like, dang, you had way too good of a defense to have such a tragically bad offense. Yeah, um, there is definitely and, that tendency with this team, no doubt about it. Yes, because, ah, man, when is the last time we've watched just an electric, exciting offense? 2010? Like, yeah, with Maybe Taylor Martinez. 2011? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. A little, yeah. bit, of, little bit of Tommy Armstrong. He was he, he had some moments. 14. But, 2014 was fun until we yeah. got to Wisconsin, you know. <laughs> it got to yeah. be a little rough, but uh, yeah. But anyway. Uh, Sorry, sidetrack. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, that's that's absolutely appropriate to talk about because, you know, like I said, 
when was the last time we saw such a tragically bad d- offense? It would have been, definitely been 2009. And if I remember correctly, that would have been Sean I or Sean Eichhorst. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Maybe it was it was Sean Watson's last year as, as offensive coordinator. Uh, Zach Lee was the quarterback, got hurt early in the year, so his shoulder was jacked up, so he really couldn't throw the ball like he wanted to. And, uh, yeah, it was just historically bad. And then Cody Green tried to play in that Oklahoma game, that 10-6 to win or whatever that was, and he just looked like a deer in headlights. It just was a crazy, weird year on offense. Um, I'm hoping this offense gets better. <laughs> I don't have – I'm hoping they get on track in the next two weeks. That's what they really yeah. need to do. They need to gain some confidence, gain some, find some stuff that works, and stick with it, and stick with it to the point where – doesn't matter who we're playing, it's going to work eventually, kind of like Novocaine. Eventually you go numb, then you don't care. <laughs> so um, let's move on to the next slide. Let's take a look at, uh, well, of course, my stream deck decides to die. There we go. Players to watch. And then we'll give our prediction real quick. So uh, right. for me, on offense, of course, we both have picked Rocky Lombardi because we're not sure if he's going to throw three interceptions this week. Or maybe he throws three touchdowns, right? Um, and then defense, for me, it's linebacker, J- linebacker Jaden Dolphin because he's got a cool last name, and he also happened to have six tackles, uh, five of them solo against Southern Illinois. Seems to be a theme that I'm seeing is there's not a whole lot of teams out there kind of in that mid-tier of college football that has a lot of guys on their defense that have more than Single-digit tackles. I haven't seen any double-digit tackles yet from us, even though our defense mm-hmm. is playing well. So uh, those are my guys for for Northern Illinois. How about you for, for the NIU Huskies? Yep, I agree with you on the offense with uh, Rocky Lombardi. Um, is he going to be a turnover machine or is he going to be a touchdown machine? You know, like what is yep. what are we going to see? And knowing Nebraska and our luck and who we play as quarterbacks that they – Every quarterback that we play always tends to have the game of a lifetime against Nebraska. So is Rocky Lombardi going to have that? I don't know. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if he goes off and throws, you know, three, four touchdowns and it becomes kind of a slugfest if we have any competency on our offense. But, um, yeah, what is Rocky Lombardi going to do? And then on the defense, I have no idea. It's, I didn't take any time to look at any film. I just looked at the stats. I'm just going to say they're defensive ends, and I just picked Roy Williams because he was uh, better, I guess. Um, and the reason why I picked that to play as players to watch is because pressure. If we put Henrik Harburg in there, can he have a pocket to throw in? Mm. Are we going to be able to push their defensive line around? Are we going to be able to keep their defensive ends from getting on, getting around the edge and taking out our quarterback or mm-hmm. disrupting us in the backfield when we're trying to set up a play action run play or of some sort? I don't know. Um, sure. So let's see. Let's see. Are they going to be good or are they going to be, mm-hmm. you know, basically a non-factor all game? I don't know. Well, good. Uh, it's an excellent question. Um, so look into the Nebraska side of things. I wanted to write down Jeff Sims as for my player to watch on offense, but he's not very much fun uh, to watch. <laughs> so I really didn't want to write him down. And I 
honestly don't know how much he's going to play. If he doesn't play well, how quick will they give him the hook and throw Harburg or even maybe a healed up Purdy out there? Um, but I'm going to be watching Ramirez. Uh, he did quietly have a really good game at Colorado with 66 yards of rushing. Um, seemed like he was getting fairly lathered up there toward the end of the game. Um, so I'll be watching Ramirez, see what they do with him. And uh, then I'll also be watching Ty. Is Ty back? Is Ty really going to be able to establish himself as that dominant force in the middle against what should be an undermanned, undersized offensive line? How much pressure is Ty going to be able to get? How good is he going to be against the run and shedding blocks? So uh, those are my two guys on, on Nebraska that I'll be watching. On my side, I'm going to be looking at Gabe Irvin. I love your pick with Ramir, um, but I think we both know that Gabe Irvin is probably going to be taking the majority of the carries. Um, but I think Ramir, like you said, I think he's got a higher potential to get, hmm. or at least I'll say in addition to that, he has a high potential to get explosive plays where mm-hmm. I think what we need out of Gabe Irvin is just a steady, consistent run game where we can get four or five yards a pop. So that we can always rely on him to get us those third and threes, those third and fours, you know, let's, let's just give it to the running back and make it easy on ourselves. Um, On the defense, I've got Deshaun Singleton because we're looking at this secondary right now. And I say, that's the difference between uh, Nebraska winning and Nebraska losing is, is what can Northern Illinois do in the air with Rocky Lombardi. Who knows? Maybe they rely just on their run game. They know they're not going to win or they feel like they're not going to win. I doubt it. No coach ever coaches their kids to think that. But um, they'll come in here and I'm thinking that they're going to want to try and pick apart our secondary. And yeah, I, I think I think that our safeties and our secondary are going to need to really step up. And and I picked Desha- Deshaun Singleton because I I, I think he's going to be in to get a pick. That's why I pick him. I think I think that's my bold prediction here is that I think he gets he gets an interception in a crucial moment, maybe down in the red zone or something like that. But yeah, Deshaun Singleton for a pick and a player to watch this weekend. That's a good pick. I, I like that. I like that bold prediction. I've got one as well, I think. And it also involves an interception and it involves a guy who doesn't get many. And that would be Quentin Newsom. I think he gets a pick on L- Lombardi on Saturday and he takes it to the house. So Ooh, when you see my poor prediction, exactly. you're also going to then see just how shitty I think the offense is going to be on Saturday. Uh, because <laughs> the defense will score almost as much. So, um, in fact, since we're on the topic, let's take let's a look at the score prediction. There's yours. So, what is your rationale behind that? All right. So, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to basically be just a, an abysmal offense against an abysmal, uh, like two abysmal offenses just going at it with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think we get some points. I think, I think we definitely get some more points. Um, but it's going to be a painfully close and low scoring game. I don't know if Nebraska just comes out firing on all cylinders. I think they're going to try and work, work something out with Harburg or something. I don't know. 
I don't know, but they're going to have some kinks they're going to have to work out. The reason why I say 22 is because I think our defense is good, and I think we might be able to have a good uh, special teams uh, field position type game, and I think we uh, we get a safety. Hmm. Um, and so we get a safety, and then we get two field goals and two touchdowns. Um, so that, yeah, that's how. That adds up. Yep. Yep. So that's. Okay. That's kind of what I'm thinking the game ends up looking like. It's just kind of one of those weird lopsided scores that when you look at it, you're like, yep, that's Nebraska just barely pulling out a win against Northern Illinois. And I think it's going to make fans get even more riled up. I think Husker Nation on Twitter and everywhere else is going to be losing their minds at that point because everybody, no matter... No matter what anybody says right now, come Tuesday and Wednesday, people are going to be putting their predictions that we're going to blow them out. You know, yep. we're going to, yep. we're just going to run, run the wheels off the wagon, baby. Mm. And it's like, I don't know. I think, I think we're probably going to be in for a much more butthole clinching type of a uh, game than, mm-hmm. than any of us are even going to be emotionally ready for after such a heartbreaking loss. Um, so, but I still think we win. I just think it's gonna, it's not gonna alleviate any concerns going into Louisiana Tech, if that makes any sense. Yep, makes absolutely perfect sense. And uh, you know, I've sorry, folks, I can't be a whole lot more um, positive about this team than this score prediction right here. I just can't. After two weeks of seeing what we have done or actually not done on offense, I think we will score. Three points, three legitimate points on offense on Sunday or on Saturday in the form of driving down into the red zone on our first drive, because it seems like we always do that, and kick a field goal. Everybody's going to be happy. The balloons will be let go, and then boopkiss. They'll take a 6-3 to three lead going into the second half. I think they the defense will shut them out in the second half. Nebraska will sputter and spout around, sputter and sputter around, but then Q will grab an interception, take it back, I'll say 57 yards uh, and score a touchdown. Nebraska takes the lead for good. And then Ramir breaks one on a kickoff uh, or not on a kickoff, but uh, not Ramir. Billy Camp. My God. Billy Camp grabs one and takes it to the house. So uh, that's our 17. Nothing on offense except a nice drive into the red zone at the beginning of the game. And then it's the Harburg show from about midway through the second quarter on after Jeff Sims throws four picks. <laughs> I know I'm I'm actually saying that really tongue in cheek but it really wouldn't surprise me. Uh so there you go. That there you have our our picks for this good lord. Every time I mess around there we go. There. <laughs> I fix. So, you know, we're done with the slides basically anyway, so we can uh can shut those off and move on. Unless you've got anything else you want to talk about about Northern Illinois, do you think I'm crazy for thinking that the the, the offense isn't going to score much? Do you think uh, maybe I should, uh, I don't know, get some Prozac or something? No, because basically the only thing I am adding to our offensive productivity is a couple field goals on top of what you're thinking. And actually just one, one extra field goal and a safety. So I'm not predicting our offense to be much more proficient than you're predicting. 
I think everybody can look at this offense and be like, well, they're 116th in the nation, so I expect them to perform as such, and so they're not going to look good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there you go. You've got a, uh, somebody weighing in, Mr. Kenny Cheatham, number six, wide receiver from back uh, in the 90s, those national cha- championship years. Says the D will save this next game. I completely agree, Kenny. Uh, we need to be effective on offense. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's oh so simple, but it seems to be oh so hard. <laughs> Ooh, Brian's feeling his oats tonight. Oh, Brian's feeling his oats. That's pretty. So we get a shutout, but it's still ugly. It's an ugly shutout. <laughs> we still get only what we get six points on offense then, and we score fourteen on special teams and defense. That's what I okay twenty to zero. I can see it, Brian. I can see it. Any of you listening, we're just commenting on uh, the uh, live chat comments that are coming in uh, through StreamYard. So there you go. Uh, if you want to see what we're talking about, uh, check us out on YouTube and also our Facebook page. You can watch the uh, show there. Um, and anyway, what's it? Oh, yes, you're right, Noop. We've at least got a kicker. Um, like I said earlier in the show, if you weren't here, six inches to the left and that first one goes through the pipes. And who knows how that game uh, turns out after that. Uh, thank you, Caleb. We appreciate appreciate the positivity. Um, yes, thanks, man. Appreciate uh, it. Really, really do. Any support that we get, anytime you guys can send us comments, uh, like, subscribe, all that good stuff, please take your time and leave us a, a review on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. You can leave us a review there. It will help folks find the show that way as well um let's see here why don't we move on bud we'll talk about some fun facts you got any kind of crazy fun fact uh going on with you right now or something that you're fired up about that maybe i don't know about or others don't know about um not really a fun fact more of just a nerd fact I started getting back into the game escape from tarkov and it is such a fun game it's so Hmm. intense it's the whole concept of it is that it's called a looter shooter where essentially you go into a map, there's a giant map, giant map. You have no radar, you have no compass, you have no way of knowing where you're going and you spawn in on a random part portion of the map. Well, so does anywhere from eight to sometimes 20 players, depending on the size of the map. And your goal is to find your extraction point. And in between that, you try and find everything that you can find and you grab all of it. So you loot things, you grab high value items, you grab ammunition, you grab, you know, like armor and helmets and stuff like that. Um, And then you have to try and find your extraction point. And there's a time frame that you have to work with and everybody wants to kill you. Um, And then when you die, you lose everything you bring with you. So, if you go in there, you're like, I need some water, bandages, health kit, ammo, gun, all this stuff costs money in the game, and then you die and it's just gone. And so it's just, mm. it's a really intense game. It's really hardcore. I suck at it. Um, but sounds kind of fun. It is. It's very fun, but it's very, very, very hard. Because mm. um, I mean, you have hunger, you have thirst, you have to mm. like. If, if you get shot in your right arm, you have to fix your right arm. And if you lose enough health points in each one of your limbs, then your limb blacks out mm. and you have to perform surgery on it. 
<laughs> and that takes like 30 seconds to do, which I mean, 30 second surgery isn't that, isn't that bad, but in a game, that's a long time yeah, to long be sitting there and mobile. There vulnerable. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> wow. It's a, it's, it's a good game. So that's, that's just a fun fact about me as I've just been playing that. I mean, that's basically what I've been doing this whole weekend. Um, aside from another game that I've been playing with my brother, um, hmm. that one's a tactical shooter as well, but it's more of like, uh, kind of like, like rainbow six or like SWAT type games oh, cool. called ready or not. And hmm. you just, you're just like a SWAT team and you go in and you, is that on steam? Yeah, that's on steam. Cool. Might have to check that out. Yeah. Well, you could play with TJ and I one of these days. If, oh, if you, man, if you yeah, would like that. Cool. That would be kind yeah. of cool. Yeah, right. it's a hard, it's a hard game. You die right away if you get shot. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I have the patience of a gnat, so I'd probably be quitting after five minutes. <laughs> I'd be like, "Screw this! Yeah, I'm out. This is, I'm gonna go." This is nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, my fun fact tonight is that I we recently, my wife and I recently bought a black 36 inch Blackstone griddle. Um, and the grill is now downstairs, probably going to collect dust from now until eternity because I can't quit cooking on this thing. Um, the latest, we started out with uh, ribeyes and they came out phenomenal, even though I overcooked them a little bit to where they were kind of pink in the middle. They weren't really very red. Um, so, uh, and then smash burgers, can't beat smash burgers on this thing. Um, and then the latest thing that I've done on it was I did, uh, tried beef stroganoff. There was a, a, uh, uh, YouTube channel I follow called the hungry hussy. His last name is hussy. He's a big dude down in South Carolina, North Carolina, somewhere cooks on his back porch, three cameras set up, and he just kind of cooks all kinds of stuff. And he had these recipes, uh, three recipes that you need to know how to do that you can cook in 15 minutes or less now that your kids are back at school and you don't have a whole lot of time to cook dinner. Um, one of them was this uh, was this beef stroganoff, and it came out really good. And then yesterday at halftime, I cooked uh, pizza burgers with mm. garlic bread as the buns. You toast it up on the grill. You cook the burgers, kind of a small smash burger. You put a slice of provolone after you flip the burger, then you throw some crisped up pepperoni that you throw on a griddle on top of the provolone, then a spoon or two of marinara. And then you throw a slice of mozzarella on top of that. Let that melt a little bit, throw it in between a two pieces of Texas toast, garlic toast. I found ciabatta garlic toast with Parmesan cheese on it. And nice. it came out really, really, really good. So sure the, it, that was the second recipe. The third one was lime and honey pork chops. Oh, makes yeah. this lime honey sauce with that has garlic paste, some Worcestershire, and I can't remember if we put a little bit of hoisin in it or something, just to mm. give it a little bit of an oriental flavor. And I'm like, yeah, I, I've got to try that. <laughs> so that's the next that thing. Good. Uh, but that yeah, good. yeah, it's going to be, I uh, can't wait. So yeah, your mom's like, are you going to write out a menu? Cause I want to kind of know. And she's like, that's yours. That's your thing. You figure out whatever you want to cook. There's all kinds of stuff in the freezer that we need to cook up. So come up with recipes. So I've been having an absolute blast with it. And nice. uh, you definitely have to cook, conjure something up for when we do our next show. Maybe yeah. even here in the studio after NIU, maybe have maybe. you come over and cook something on that Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, for sure. 
So between now and next Sunday, then, uh, where can folks find you and follow you and all your points? Yes, you, you can follow me and my antics on Twitter at Scott Genred Pod. The Scott with two T's. The second T is silent. Um, you can follow me there and uh, I'd appreciate it. All right. And of course, you can follow the show and myself on Twitter at Genred Pod. Also at Genred Pod on Facebook. And if you're watching on YouTube, of course, you already know it's at Genred Pod on YouTube. But if you're listening to this podcast on your favorite podcast app, go to YouTube, check out this video. It's a lot of fun. We've got a lot of other fun stuff up there too. Um, Generation Red is where you find the show on your favorite podcast app. If you're an Apple podcast listener and you have missed out on our last eight or so episodes, do us a huge favor, unsubscribe from our show and then do another search for Generation Red. You will see new album art that features Scott and I both on the cover. Subscribe to that one. You know, we'll get all of our old stuff and all of our new stuff as well. Uh, genredpod.com is our website where you can get, listen to every one of our shows as well as watch all of our YouTube videos too. And all of our social links are there as well. So, um, yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and genredpod at gmail.com is, of course, our email address. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, or if you want to be a guest, fire off an email. We get the, we usually check that email approximately once every six months, so eventually we'll get to you. Um, anyway. It will happen. It will happen, eventually. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Thanks to everybody who's watched tonight. Thanks to you, Scott, for being on with me tonight. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, he's Scott. I'm Ken. Together we're Generation Red. And we're here to remind you as often as we possibly can that in spite of the football team, there really is no place like Nebraska. Iowa's corn sucks. Spoiled bison meat. Whew, yeah, I would absolutely 100% agree with that. And until next time, y'all, God bless and go big red. Oh, we're